Hi again, folks. This is Andy Alford, the host of All Andy Alford. The views of All Andy Alford are those of Andy's and do not represent the Anchor Network. Tonight's show has some colorful language, so please, listener awareness is advised. Zero, two, and one. Zero, two, and one. That record right there, folks, is from my football weekend. Zero, two, and one. How embarrassing! On the college football level! Especially for the Bowling Green State University Falcons! But the Lions, oh my fucking God. I told you last week I was concerned about the run defense. And how Patricia loves to air the ball out. And oh my fucking God. How pathetic we were on the national stage. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a long year. Oh, why in God's name? Oh, oh. The Mud Hens season is done. And I want to say thank you for the run. And a new face on the pond. As you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Now, however you're listening to us, Wherever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And I love you guys and welcome in to this Tuesday edition of the program. Yes, the 11th of September, 2018. And we'll get to what this day means at the end of the program. A lot to get into tonight, of course. Recap the weekend that was in sports uh, for the Indians and Tigers. Uh, the end of the season for the Mud Hens. We'll talk about that as well as the performance that is happening in Traverse City in the Ameri- in the NHL. The Junior Jackets and the Junior Red Wings. We'll talk about that as well, too. But you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. If you want to post a comment on the show, Go definitely go ahead, hit the uh, hashtag AAA Live. That's AAA Live. So welcome into this Tuesday edition of the program. What are we, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? The absolute pathetic performance by. We're gonna start with the NFL first and foremost, and it was a great weekend in the NFL for a lot of a lot of teams, and a great week that it was. 
in college in in football in general, high school sports as well as college. But we'll start with the NFL first because it's fresh in our mind, especially for me. Matt Patricia has no control of his club. I'm going to say that right now. This was an absolute pathetic performance. I have been a Lions fan all my life. This compares to the season when we were 0-16. He has no control of this club. Absolutely none. Jim Bob Cooter is the only sane one in this in this organization. And you're going to say to me, well, Andy, it's only one game. You know, you can't really judge a book by its cover. Listen, we have seen four preseason games and now one regular season game. I saw a dress rehearsal game that, that absolutely stunk. I saw the last game of the preseason, second string and third stringers that are future Home Depot employee of the month employees, employee of the month employees, going to be, you know, getting lit up by the Cleveland Browns. And it proved again last night that we have absolutely no run defense, we have no defense whatsoever, and we're airing the ball out too much. Stafford was hurt. I will give you I'm going to give you that right now. When he went down in the second quarter to that knee injury and he walked it off, he was hurt and he was trying to play it off as best as he could. And I will be the first to say this. If Stafford is injured, we got big problems. Cuz that is your key to your offense. This is a an absolute joke on a national page on Monday Night Football against a rookie quarterback. True, you get the first points on the board. Sam Darnold throws a pick six. First possession. And it's 7-0. And I'm sitting at home at the time thinking, oh, this is going to be great. You know, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to light it up. But we couldn't get the motor going. The spark plugs weren't there. By the time we got everything going, it was too late. And this is, I I, I give everything, I give credit to, you know, uh, Jim Bob Cooter is, is great in the offensive front. His defensive coaches are great. Great guy, too. But it's Matt Patricia's fault for this game. Not executing it, good play calling. Not getting the right personnel on the field at the right times. This is this is ridiculous. This is If this is what the season is going to be, folks, we're going to be similar to what the Tigers season is this year. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a rebuilding year. And we're going to be in last place in, this, in the a- NFC North. Last night was absolutely pathetic. And Sam Darnold, now next week we'll see if Sam Darnold's play was for real or not. We will see. Because the kid was outstanding. 16 for 21, 198, two TDs, that one pick six INT. 
But I'll say it again. The run defense absolutely sucked. Isaiah Corwell, the former Cleveland Brown. 10 touches for 102 yards, 2 touchdowns. Irohua, 6 catches for 63 yards, 1 TD. As the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 destroy the Detroit Lions on opening night at Ford Field, 48-17. Matthew Stafford, here's the numbers. You got to listen to this. 27 for 46, 286 through the air, one touchdown, four interceptions. And we give them this big contract, and this is what we get. Four interceptions. Are you kidding me? T.O. Reddick, great game for him. Four Terries for only 20 yards. Golden Tate, seven catches for 79 yards. Here's the breakdown. The Jets had 18 first downs to Detroit's 20. Total plays. The Lions had 67 plays to the Jets' 59. The Jets had 349 yards of total offense, total yard offense. The Lions had 339. 300 of that was through the air. 180 for the Jets. You want to guess how many yards the Lions had? 39 yards in the run. 39 yards. <laughs> the Jets had 169 yards on the ground. Seven penalties for 44 yards for the Jets. Three penalties for 15 yards. Five turnovers in the game for the Lions. This was a joke. This was a this game was an absolute pathetic performance and it scares me. And it doesn't get any easier for us Lions fans. We go to San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. That could be a win, it could be a loss. We're back home to play New England. Do you really think we're going to beat the Patriots? Absolutely not. On Sunday Night Football, by the way. So again, another game, national televised. Embarrassed. We will be embarrassed. And then we play Dallas at ho- on the road. And then we're home to play Green Bay. I see us being 0-4. I really do. This is sad to say this. 0-4 is a strong possibility. It's embarrassing. This game, Stafford's play was absolutely horrendous. I I don't understand why, how bad this was. There's there, there's no excuse for it. You were set up to win this game, a rookie quarterback, a young offense that was not clicking. Most of the game until they put up 31 points in the third quarter.
I, I, I just don't know what to say. I, I have, I'll say it again. I have no faith in this team now. It went off the window when when we gave up the INT pick six. Stafford gave it up. I said this is going to be a long year now. There's no way we're going to win the division. And how great Green Bay was and how tough Chicago is, I agree with my cousin, Nick the Money Man DeVera. I think Detroit could be last this year. And I feel I feel like it's 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 going to happen now. I really do. It's a sad thing to say. But it was just embarrassing to be on national television and a full house crowd, great crowd on hand, and I'll give the Lions fans credit for sticking sticking with it until until that 31 points in the third quarter. And then it became a Jets home game. All the Jets fans made it down to lower levels and filled the lower levels. It was just green. I felt like it was a Michigan State home game. Doesn't get any easier. Welcome to the NFL season, folks. We can take a bright spot out of this out of this whole NFL weekend. And that is the fact that the Browns didn't lose a football game. Yes. But we keep the fridges locked up. Full ice cold but light. As the Browns and the Steelers opened up at First Energy Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And the Browns were were down 21 to 7. And they rallied back to tie it at 21, forcing overtime. You, you don't understand how big that is because Pittsburgh is a rival. And you're, you tie them at 21, going into overtime. Anything's possible. The kick for Pittsburgh was a total miss. He shanked it with three minutes to go in overtime. The Browns had an opportunity. It was blocked. So they ended the tie. 21-21. Big Ben having a horrible game. 23 for 41, 335 through the air. One TD, three interceptions in the game. Connor had a great game for 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 uh for Pittsburgh. Replacing Le'Veon Bell, you know. I think if I was Pittsburgh, I'd trade Le'Veon Bell. After the performance that Connor had, fantastic. 31 touches, 135, two touchdowns in the game. Antonio Brown, four catches for 93 yards, one touchdown in the game. For the Browns, Tyrod Taylor, 15 for 40, 197, one touchdown, one INT. The former Ohio State player, Carlos Hyde, 22 carries for 62 yards, one TD in the game. Doris Landy, Landry, seven catches for 106 yards, no touchdowns in the game. And Josh Gordon, one catch, returning from his whole suspension, being out for over two years, has a touchdown reception. One play, 17 yards for one TD in the game. There's a lot of positives, a lot of positives 
out of this whole Brown situation. But the one thing that helped them out was the weather. We had Tropical Depression Gordon in. A lot of rain in the area. So the ground game was key. And Connor and Hyde were the two key pieces in this game. And Big Ben was just like an Arby's restaurant. Making turnovers like no tomorrow. Breaking down looking like this. Pittsburgh had 25 plays, first downs, to Cleveland's 22. Total plays, Cleveland had 85 to Pittsburgh's 80. Total yards, Pittsburgh had 472 yards in total to Cleveland's 327. 313 was through the air for Pittsburgh, 159 on the ground. For Cleveland, 150 on the in the air, 177 on the ground. Penalties also killed the Steelers. 12 penalties for 116 yards. The Browns had 11 penalties for 87 yards. The Steelers had six in total turnovers in the game. Three fumbles, three INTs. Cleveland only had one. That one interception from Tyrod Taylor. So 21-21 is the tie. The first tie in the first for the Browns since 1989. Okay? First time. First tie for the Browns in the modern era for the Browns. And it is the first tie on opening week since 1969. So you look at the record now, it's 0-0-1. So they're undefeated. Browns have got New Orleans this week on the road. We'll preview all the NFL games on Friday. Additional the program. And I also, by the way, before I continue on Friday's show, I have a special announcement about that. But let's dive into the rest of the NFL game. San Francisco loses to Minnesota 24-16. Kirk Cousins having a great game for that one. The longest NFL game in 7 hours and 46 minutes took place in Miami this weekend after a long, lengthy weather delay. Miami gets to win 27-26 over the Tennessee Titans. The Bengals getting the win 34-23 over the Indianapolis Colts. Kansas City was a winner 38-26 over the LA Chargers. Seattle gets the loss in Denver 27-24. Von Miller having a great game in that part. Carolina beating up on Dallas 16-8. Baltimore putting a shellacking on the Bills 47-3. Might be a long year for Chris Cardan and his Bills. Jacksonville getting the surprise and beating up on the Giants 20-15 in the Meadowlands. And here's the surprise for you. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the former quarterback of the New York Jets. Outstanding performance as Jameis Winston suspended for three games. Comes out and kills the New Orleans Saints 48-40. Having a breakout game. New England gets the win 27-20 over the Houston Texans. The Rams last night beating up on the, the Raiders 33-13. Washington cruises to a 24-6 win over the Cardinals. And here's the Sunday night game. The Sunday night game was Chicago versus Green Bay. And I got a chance to watch that game. And, you know, I wanted to see how Khalil Mack will do. 
and he was absolutely outstanding. I'm surprised of how great he, you know, he was on a count all night, but how great a performance he put on. I think they'll take that count, like the, the count off of him. He's ready to go. Outstanding performance. And then the fact that Aaron Rodgers goes down for the injury with his knee. I knew it was serious when they put him on the card, but then I knew it wasn't that serious when he went to sit in the front of the cart instead of the back of the cart. He came back on the field and he did something that I have never I have seen in a long time. Rallying his team from being down 20 to nothing and they beat the Bears 24-23. He's worth the money. Folks, he's worth the money. We have one game scheduled this Thursday, the first Thursday, second Thursday night game of the season. For us, the last Thursday was Philadelphia and Atlanta, which was the kickoff. But this Thursday, Baltimore is in Cincinnati. I'll take the Ravens in that game. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight on this Tuesday edition of the program on the Anchor Network whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Spotify, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me. Thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And let's um All right, let's let's do it. Let's dive in to the college football spectrum and the absolutely pathetic performance by a team that I love and root for and that is the Bowling Green State University Falcons. All right. You're listening to all Andy Alford. Again. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Forty five to fourteen. Forty five to fourteen. Fourteen points. We held with them. We held with them all the way through halftime. And then Maryland showed up in the second half. We held Maryland, and we couldn't get the job done. (sighs) Nobody to blame on this one. Not the weather. You can't blame the weather. It's Bowling Green. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be blowy. It's going to be miserable. You thought the Browns game was bad. This one was worse with the weather. And we couldn't get the run established in this game. We couldn't get the run established in this game. It's 0 2. 
And thank God we're playing an FBS school this week. As Maryland cruises to a 45-14 win over the Bowling Green State University Falcons. Hill, Fort Maryland, 8 for 16, 121, 1 TD, no INTs. Johnson had 12 carries for 124 yards, 1 TD in the game. Tyler Fleet Davis, 15 catches for 102 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Daigie having a great outing, 17 for 27. Got to give him credit. 143, 2 touchdowns, 1 INT in the game. Anthony Clare, 6 carries, 16 carries for a total of 44 yards. Quentin Morris, 5 catches for 85 yards, 1 TD. Breakdown looks like this. Maryland had 24 first downs to Bowling Green's 13. Total yards. Through the air for for Maryland, 565 yards of total offense. 121 on the in the air. 444 on the ground. Bowling Green total. 158. 143 in the air. 15 yards. I said that right. 15 yards of total run offense. Great crowd on hand. Got to give the crowd, get the student body and the fans are showing up. This was a big game. Penalties, Maryland, 14 penalties for 139 yards. Bowling Green, 10 penalties for 66 yards. Both teams turned it over once. What are we going to do? This is the same thing. Now, here's my dilemma. I'm going to play the presser from Saturday. And I will play the presser from Monday. And Saturday was, for me... A breaking point. You heard me on this show on Friday's edition of the Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford say that we can win this game close. We just had to control our defense. We had to control our offense. We couldn't let them get ahead of us and pound the football. And we were great for the first half of the game. And then Maryland showed up and it looked like Bully Green wanted to wear ponchos and sit in the stands and let Maryland run over us. In the game, we were only we were only down by three points with the football. Four minutes left to go in the in the third quarter. We had the opportunity as ever to win, and we couldn't get it done. We just couldn't get it done. You know. What is there to say then, you know, coaching needs to be better than that. And it starts with Mike Jakes. It starts with his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. They have got to be better than that. Absolutely better than that. So I'm going to play the presser from Saturday. This is from the Bowling Green media production from YouTube. 
We'll play the me play the audio. And play it in its entirety, and I will play the snippets from Monday. And you get you'll get the demeanor of Mike Jenks out of the whole situation. Oh, there's no doubt. I think we all saw that. They, they phys- physically kicked our tails um, on both sides of the ball, up front, offensively, and, and, and defensively. Uh, hats off to the defense because they, 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 they stayed in there and they swung as long as they possibly could. And, you know, um, we didn't help them at all from an offensive standpoint. You, you got to get a couple first downs here and there and give those guys a little bit of rest. Maryland was huge up front. Um, they were a physical football team and, um, you know, saw some decent things, saw some things that uh, – um, that, that, went, that'll, that will go a long way for us as we move on to the season. We talked about playing clean football, guys. I think we may have had 100 yards. Maybe I hadn't seen the stats total offense. But you, 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 if you don't turn the ball over and if you don't get a lot of silly penalties, uh, you can give yourself the opportunity to be in a ball game late in the third quarter versus a quality football team if you do those things. So um, there are things to grow on. I'm not satisfied by any means. Uh, we had our chances, and uh, we let it get away. Right. I thought they did a fairly good job of it, you know, um, early on in the half. And then, again, um, they just stayed on the field too long, and, and they kind of wore down a little bit. Uh, but give those guys credit. Uh, you know, they got foot to foot, and they came downhill, and they had some backs that were finishing their runs. Um, really, uh, if anything, from a, from a defensive standpoint, uh, felt like in the second half we didn't tackle well. Uh, and, and uh, again, that's one of the things that we've been working hard on and um, one of the things that I thought we had improved, but a lot of that was uh, a little bit of fatigue from being on the field too much. They stoned us. No, they they they, they stoned us. I mean, uh, uh, they did a great job up front. I, you know, they weren't as athletic per se as as an Oregon, but I think I uh, said a little bit earlier they were going to be physical. They were a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, and a little bit more physical uh, than Oregon was, and um, we just weren't able to able to get anything done as far as the run game goes. And and when that happens, um, you know, it puts quarterback in a tough situation. Um, so um, thought. Uh, he competed well tonight. The last interception late in the fourth quarter was a ball that should be complete in the first down. So I uh, can't ask too much more out of him. Because you guys couldn't find that balance on offense, did that change any type of plans that you guys have? Uh, no. We, we had 10 game. We had 11 game run game. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to be aggressive because when we're not able to run the ball and when we're not able to sustain those drives uh, and get first downs, um, those guys are fresh. And that's kind of the key to when we want to open up and try to hit some explosive plays. You know, when you play uh, uh, teams like that, that that you're, you know, they've got that kind of talent on the defensive line. If they're fresh and early, it, it can be tough. It can be tough on us. You know, and the way that we're able to have success, a little bit like last week in a couple instances. This, I mean, tonight, uh, we're on the field. We we get a few first downs. Those guys that rush slows down. We can hit a big pass play. You know, everyone was excited for a Big Ten team. Huge crowd expected. And- Yeah, definitely. We, uh, you know, those, like I tell the kids, those are things that we can't control. To, uh, um, you know, well, again, those are things that that, that we, we can't control. All I can do is worry about uh, our opponent. And now it's on to EKU. You guys won defense one against some NFL kids, both 
this weekend, last week. What did you learn about that defense through two games? Well, they'll compete. Um, they'll compete and they'll fight their tails off, and that's all that I can ask of them. Um, you know, the, the thing that uh, that you that you worry about a little bit when you when you have back-to-back -back games like that is the old injury bug, and and you know we'll go in and, and we'll see who we got left, and we'll continue to have an X-Men up mentality. So Mike Jenks, right there, uh, from Saturday night's game against Maryland, and he said it best. You know, the weather didn't. The weather didn't have to play. He has no control of the weather. It's the amount of touches and the the amount of performance that his team performed. Only 158 yards of total offense. It's not going to cut it. It really isn't going to cut it. And especially how how they were playing against Maryland, you know, I, I give I like he said he gives credit to the defense. I do give it the credit to the defense. They were absolutely a fantastic holding at holding it for the for three quarters and then the absolute bottom dropping out on them in the fourth quarter because they were fatigued and they're tired. And that's what you get with a young team. You don't get that with a grizzly veteran senior class team. You get this with a sophomore and junior team, and this is what happens. This is absolutely what happens. But the demeanor changed on Monday's press conference to get ready for EKU, Eastern Kentucky University, and that's this is where the audio goes from there. You know, really want to uh, you know, thank our student body uh, for, for coming out in abundance on Saturday night. It was a great crowd. It was packed. Um, you know, we had our BG Warrior Walk um, that we've moved, and we had the alumni tent set up, the kids out high-fiving. Um, it, it was a great environment, even though the weather uh, did not cooperate. So very appreciative of that, and let's, uh, let's keep that going. Um, you know, the game didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Uh, Maryland's a good football team. They're a physical football team. I think you kind of saw a little bit the difference between a, a, a Pac-12 team and a Big Team 10 a little bit, uh, uh, and just this, they, they were physical. Um, they lined up and, and got after us on both sides of the football. Um, proud of the way our kids competed. Um, if you if you go back and you looked at it, one of the things that I showed them yesterday was that at 3:36 left in the ball game, the third quarter, I should say, it's 17-14, and we've got the ball. Now, you look beyond that, and they've got 386 yards rushing. We've got 20. You put yourself in an opportunity to have success in those ball games if you do the little things right, and that's what they did. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, we talked about we had to get lined up correctly, and then we had to tackle. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, we talked about playing clean, and, and we've done that really for two weeks now. Um, you know, we didn't turn it over. Uh, we converted on some third-down opportunities in the first half, which allowed that defense to stay off the football field a little bit, which ended up catching up with us in the second half. I mean, they continued to – they amped up their pass rush. They got, off, they got after us. They got off the field in the third down. And then the tackles that we were making in the first half, their running backs started to, to run through. And, um, you know, hats off to them. Um, very, very physical football team. And, um, you know, um, we'll be better because of it. Questions? Sounds like you're you're pointing out the positives. How important is it to to you know strike that balance, even though you know it's two losses? But uh, it, it's two losses. But but I tell you what, and this is what I told the guys yesterday. Everybody in this room, they looked at that schedule and they had us 0-2. That's everybody but the men in this facility. And they went out and they worked to win this ball game. 
and they worked out and probably competed better than anybody thought we could have. I mean, that's the same team that just went and beat Texas with all the resources, with all their four and five, you know, star players. Uh, you know, so that's what we're that's where we are right now, and, and that's that's kind of the way we're going to approach this week as well. I was asked earlier on a, on a phone conference, you know, how are you worried about these guys overlooking EK? You know, I'm not because it's not about them. It wasn't about Maryland. It wasn't about Oregon. It's not about EKU. Uh, it's about us and what we need to do on a daily basis to get better. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. And we're talking about, let's talk about the turnover. You know, we're, we're, we're at zero right now. I think we got three and we lost three. You know, if we end the season at zero, plus five, plus 10, plus 15, we'll be where we want to be, I promise you. They're doing those things. They're buying into those things. And that's what we can control and that's what we will continue to do. But you guys spend so much time here. Players do, coaches spend so much time here. You're stuck here, your first win here in a long time. How much do you bring that up with the players at all? I haven't brought it up one time. Um, they know. They know. Um, excited about this week's opportunity. Is there a concern with, I mean, I know it's the two teams that you've played, but as far as wearing down the defense, is there long-term concern about that, or is that just so much a product? Of- well, we're, we're beat up right now, and then that's always a concern. And, and when you know, you, you look at the schedule. That's one of the things that, uh, um, that you know, that's one of the things that we talked about. Um, but those are things that we can't control. Again, uh, all we can do out, we go out and play the game. We can play it the right way. Um, we've got some injuries. We've got some guys that, that will be out this week. Uh, our back's against the wall. And uh, other guys will have opportunities. I expect them to step up. When you went back to look at the tape, you're not going to see a ton of power running that Maryland does the rest of the season. But what lessons can you take away from the way the line structure on both sides of the wall? Well, I don't know how many lessons you can take from getting your tail kicked. Um, but, Nick, what I'll tell you this, we'll talk about from an offensive standpoint, okay? Those two defensive ends were really good football players, okay? And once uh, 47 went out the ball game in the first quarter there, again, we lost our second tight end fullback type. Um, we've got some guys that, that, that uh, um, we felt like that moment was what might have been a little bit too big for. Um, so that eliminates some of the things you do in order to help protect those tackles on the edge. Um, one of the things I talked to Lorenzo and Labus about this week was I mean, control the things you can control. All right, those guys are big, they're strong, they're talented, but what could we have done from a fundamental, from a technique standpoint that, that, that could have helped us a little bit? Um, and from a play-calling play, play standpoint, what you got to do is you got to make sure you're, we're leaning heavily on the quick game. Scotty Miller, do you? Um, We'll see. Uh, um, right now, he, he's kind of day to day. I don't expect him to be at practice anytime soon. The, the, the home, the home games thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've lost six straight at home. How bad is that? Enough? Yeah, I believe it's six. Right, that right? So he has lost. This is Jordan Strack from WTOL, which I give Strack credit for this question. He asked the question straight up. You've lost six straight at home. Now, these games are important at home. Bowling Green doesn't have that big of a a, a, a fan base, and the to get the games on on the weekdays, you have to be competitive. I get your non-conference opponents. You're zero and two, and I give Strack the credit for this one, for this question. I gotta give him the credit for this one. Hit the play button. How badly do you guys have to get that fixed before you can do anything else? Well, it's the key to this year. I mean, it's the key to the season. I mean, if we don't take advantage of our of our, our home schedule this year, then uh, 
uh, we're not going to be very successful. And it needs to start this week. It needs to start now. So it, it, it uh, again, I mean, there's always going to be a sense of urgency. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, we need this. Did you get an update on radio? Uh, Ravion is, uh, we'll go back and he'll see Doc, uh, Doc um, this afternoon. Did he have a concussion? I, I'm not sure if they, uh, pretty, pretty good collision. Uh, I don't know what the official diagnosis is just of yet. You mentioned, you know, the positive things after the game on Saturday. Is that alluding to the uh, turnover? That's alluding to the discipline aspect. That's that. That's alluding to to again the things that you could control. That's alluding to the things that we hadn't done well uh, to me here in the past. Um, that's alluding to guys getting lined up. That's alluding to the guys playing for, for for 60 minutes and 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 believing and buying into the schemes and the skill set. You know, uh, uh, they were there. They were in position to make plays. The big touchdown that got on third and 22. All right, coach called a zero pressure. Perfect. They got one play that they ran all year. Ball comes out of the guy's hand right now. We got two guys there to make the tackle. Right? They make the tackle on the 14-yard line. They kick the field goal. It's 14-13 BG with three minutes to go in the third quarter. You know, so that those are the things. They're they're, they're where they need to be. They're, they're where they're supposed to be. Now it's just about executing. Jerry right after the game, he saw a lot of promise. That was probably their, it was their best stretch in more than a year. Are you starting to see the light bulb come out? A little bit. You, you, you can see that. I mean, they, they believe, um, you know, uh, and again, it, it's kind of, it, it's tough because as, as, as these games are, you know, you're playing elite talent kind of like that, and, and these games are kind of really getting away from us in the second half. you got to make sure that the guys do see the big picture, you know, and then as a head coach, you know, again, we don't want to make excuses, but at the same time, you got to keep your football team together, and you got to keep them believing because the, the key, again, to this football team is going to be confidence and to make sure that from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint uh, as well, that we remain confident and we, we understand that uh, there's a lot of football to be played. Confidence is what they need more than anything. And I agree with Mike Jenks on that situation. And that was the presser from Monday's uh, press conference getting ready for Eastern Kentucky. And that's who they play next. Four o'clock kickoff this upcoming Saturday in all Andy Elford will be in attendance. So you just heard the press conference from Mike Jenks from Monday and Saturday. You can hear the demeanor in his voice between Saturday and Monday. Um, this is a team that, you know, needs to, was building confidence, and then it just was torn apart on Saturday afternoon with the Maryland game at in the fourth quarter. They were holding with them. For the five, halfway through the second quarter, second half, and it's just I don't know. It starts with coaching, and then and it develops into what's on the field. So as you're listening to all Andy offered tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, let's dive a little bit more into the college spectrum. And how about Ohio State cruising to a 52 to three victory in that in the game? Zalowski for Rutgers, 6 for 18, 38 yards, no touchdowns, 1 INT. Blackshire, 4 catches, 31 yards, no TDs on the ground. He also had 3 catches for 12 yards, no TDs on the ground. 
Hank Haskins, 20 for th- 23, 233 yards to the air, four touchdowns, no, I- are, I- no INTs in the game. Mitchell, eight carries for 45 yards, one TD. Dixon, four carries for 89 yards, two touchdowns in the game. For Rutgers in the game, 12 first down plays, 134, 65 and 69. 65 through the air, 69 through the run. And for Ohio State, 31 first down plays, 579 yards of total offense, 354 through the air, 225 through the ground. Seven penalties for 72 yards for Rutgers, 11 penalties for 120 yards for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So Ohio State cruising to the victory, and they'll play TCU this upcoming week at Jury World. But another rebound game for Michigan against Western Michigan, and they and they destroy Western Michigan 49-3. to Shane Patterson, 12 for 17, 225, excuse me, 125 through the air, three touchdowns in the game for 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 Western Michigan. Was sink 16 for 34, 85 yards, no touchdowns, one INT in the game. Bellamy, 11 carries for 65 yards, no TDs. Eckridge, two carries for 20 yards in the game. For Michigan, Hayden, 13 carries for 156, one TD in the game. Evans, 10 catches for 86 yards, two TDs in the game. Nick Collins, one catch for 44 yards, one TD in the game. Other notes, games to note in the top 25 look like this. TCU was a winner, 42-12 to over SMU. Michigan State getting upset in Tempe by a final score of 16-13. to I was up late watching that game, and I thought it was going to be a competitive game, and it was. It built up to a, a, a fantastic game. And uh, Herm Edwards and his crew, very proud to see, see that happen. Mississippi State was a winner, 30 30- 1 to 10 over Kansas State. New Mexico loses to Wisconsin 45 to 14. UCLA loses to Oklahoma 49-21. It was Oregon cruising over Portland State 62 to 14. William and Mary 17, Virginia Tech 62. Alabama beating up on Arkansas State 57 to 7 in a good matchup in the SEC. Georgia, third ranked in the country, beating up on South Carolina 41-17. It was the Notre Dame Fighting Irish getting a 24-16 win over Ball State. It was North Dakota 3, Washington 45. Miami shutting out Savannah State 77 to nothing. And now they head into the Glass Bowl to play the Toledo Rockets. 77 to nothing. That's embarrassing. West Virginia 52, Youngstown State 17. Central Florida was a winner 38 to nothing over South Carolina State. LSU 31, Southeast Louisiana nothing. Texas A&M loses to Clemson 28-26. And Texas A&M had a chance to win the game and go for two, and they failed the attempt. What's there to say? Auburn was a winner 63-9 over Alabama State. Kentucky getting their first win against Florida, 27-16 in the swamp. And Penn State was a winner, 51-6 over Pitt. UCLA loses to Stanford, 17-3. And Boise State cruises to a 62-7 win over UConn. In the Big Ten, it was Duke beating up on Northwestern, 21-7. Eastern Michigan goes into Purdue and gets the win, 20-19. 
Colorado 33, Nebraska 28. It was the Iowa Hawkeyes getting a 13-3 win over Iowa State. Western Illinois loses to Illinois and Lovey Smith 34-14. Indiana cruises to a 20-16 win over Virginia. And Fresno State loses to Minnesota 21-14. In Mid-American Conference, Kansas, the Jayhawks get their first win in over three years on the road, 31-7 over Central Michigan. Buffalo 136-29. Howard loses to Kent State 54-14. Akron gets the win 41-7 over Morgan State. Utah cruises to a 17-6 win over Northern Illinois. And the rivalry in-state and in-town, Miami taking of Ohio taking on Cincinnati and Cincinnati blanking the Red Hawks 21 to nothing. So looking at the top 25 in college football, it looks like this. Alabama's at number one, Clemson two, Georgia three, Ohio State at four, Oklahoma at five, Wisconsin's at six, Auburn is at seven, Notre Dame at eight, Stanford's at nine, and Washington is at 10. Notable teams, Penn State is 11, uh, Mississippi State is 16, Michigan goes from the bottom of the class to now 19th. Oregon is 20th. The Miami Hurricanes are ranked 21st in the country. USC 22nd. And Michigan State is 25th. So that is the schedule there. We'll preview all the games this upcoming weekend in our Falcon Friday edition of the program. This upcoming Friday in Bowling Green. Yes, I'm going to talk about it right now. We have the credentials. We have the capability Friday's show is going to be a show like no other, folks. Friday's show will be taped in Bowling Green. We will tape the show Friday night in Bowling Green, Ohio. And Friday and Saturday, we will be at the Eastern Kentucky game against Bowling Green at 4 o'clock. Big game. It is a huge game for Bowling Green. And Jake said it in the presser. He said it in the presser. Everybody in the in in the building knew that they they could win those two games. Everybody outside didn't think that they could win two games. I'm a component that said that they could split the series. So I'm I'm one of the, I'm against Mike Jenks on that situation. You play the games on the field. You play the games on the field. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Well, we'll see what happens. As you're listening to all Andy offered tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And um, we dove into the college and pro ball. I'm going to talk briefly right now, briefly about high school game and the surprise that Wait is on top at 3-0. They are ranked fourth overall in the OHSAA conference in the, in the Northwest Ohio area after they beat Clay in an unbelievable fashion to retain the Oil Barrel Trophy and for the first time in over 15 seasons, the Wade Indians are 3-0 to start the season. Absolutely amazing. Congratulations to the club out there. Absolutely congratulations. Molokov Stadium was sold out for this game. 
Absolutely sold out. So it it was great to see both the Oregon community and the and the Toledo community coming together for this great game. And we'll see what happens. See what happens with that. But we'll talk about a certain team here in the Northwest Ohio area that ended this past weekend, and that is the Toledo Mud Hens. So the Mud Hens go down to Durham after tying the series at one game apiece when I left you on Friday. They were up two to one when we left. They lost Friday evening, four to two. Hugh gets the win. He goes to one and zero with a three point six zero ERA. Turnbull the loss. He goes to zero and one with a four point seven six ERA. Christian Stewart homered his first of the year. McCarthy for Durham homered his first of the playoffs. As Molliner gets to save his second of the season. As Durham cruised to a four two victory. They were up two games to one. So Saturday was a do or die for the Mudhens. A win and they forced game five on Sunday. And unfortunately, the season ends in Durham at Durham Athletic Complex as the Durham Bulls cruise to a 3-2 victory. It was Altaraz the winner. He goes to 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Bird the save for Durham as Hall gets the loss. He's 0-1 with a three. He ended the season 0-1 in the playoffs with a 3.38 ERA. No home runs hit in the game. And the Mudhens end the season and a terrific run. Congratulations on winning the International League West Division. First division championship in over 12 years. And what is there to say? A great year. Toledo finishes the season at 74-69. and 69. And, you know, can't wait for April to come around. Baseball is coming back around, of course. But the surprising thing is Scranton. Beats Lehigh Valley in in the four-game series. Three games to one. So it sets up Durham versus Scranton. Durham, the defending champions, taking on the Rail Riders. Absolutely outstanding. Absolutely amazing. So who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? That Durham... And Scranton would be the player. I thought it was going to be Toledo versus Lehigh Valley. I really did. But, of course, all things must come to an end. As we now dive from the minor leagues to the major leagues, we did have baseball still going on, folks. And the Tigers took 2-3 or three against the Cardinals this past weekend in the 1968 Tribute Weekend. A great weekend to see a lot of the Hall of Famers. Willie Horton, of course. Al Kaline. You know, and for me, you know, the best player out of that 1968 team was Norm Cash, in my opinion. Uh, hearing the great stories from my grandmother about Norm Cash and how he just was a power hitter, fantastic player. You know, I just wish, uh, you know, I wish he was still around, you know. And um, unfortunately, he's passed on. But the Tigers did get a win Friday night, 5-3 to over the St. Louis Cardinals. Hicks the loss. He goes to 3-4 with a 3.21 ERA. Shane Green the win. He goes to 3-6 with a 4.63 ERA. Ozona gets the win. He goes, Ozona gets two home runs in the game. It's 19th and 20th. But, but Camilario with the walk-off winner in the ninth inning gives the Tigers the 5-3 victory. And it continued on Saturday as Detroit cruised to a 4-3 victory over St. Louis. Green getting the win, uh, a walk-off walk, uh, a walk-off pass ball, wild pitch, 
wins the game for Detroit, 4-3. Green gets another win. He goes to 4-6 with a 4.87 ERA. Norris lost. He goes to 3-5 with a 3.5 ERA. DeJong homered for St. Louis, his 17th. Ozuna, his second home run in two games, his 21st of the season. And then Sunday, the concluded game, a lot of rain in the area, of course, like I mentioned. So they did play that game in, and the Cardinals cruise to a 5-2 victory. Grant, the winner, he goes to 7-5 with a 3.16 ERA. Michael Fulmer, the loss, he goes to 3-11 with a 4.56 ERA. Martinez, the save, his second of the year. No home runs hit in the game. So now the Tigers open up a series against the Houston Astros. And last night, in all the hype that the Lions had, the Tigers hosted the Astros. And JV was on the hill. A great rendition, great crowd, great, you know, great crowd for what it was with the Lions playing. But the the Tigers did a fantastic job, a great tribute to Justin Verlander. But Verlander shutting down the Tigers. Giving the old middle finger to the Tigers and saying, You wanted to trade me? This is what happens. He went seven innings, six hits. Two runs, those runs were earned. One walk, 10 strikeouts in the game. Liriano was the starter for Detroit, and he struggled. Uh, but the defense is what really lapsed out for him as the Houston Astros cruised to a 3-2 victory over the Detroit Tigers. Liriano, the loss, he goes to 4-10 with a 4.65 ERA. Verlander, the one, he goes to 15-4, and excuse me, 15-9 with a 2.72 ERA. Ozura, the save, his 16th. Of the season, so tonight on the hill for the Tigers, it'll be Jordan Zimmerman seven and six with a four point zero four ERA. He'll take on Valdez, who is three and one with a one point three seven ERA. The concluding game tomorrow is a great one. Garrett Cole, this kid is a gem of a ball player and a great pitcher. Thirteen and five with a two point eight six ERA. He'll take on Daniel Norris, who's zero and three with a five point four seven ERA. 110 start time for that one, 640 start time for that one. You can listen to Matt Shepard and Kurt Gibson on the call for those games on Fox Sports Detroit as well as on AT&T Sports Network in Houston. The Tigers then will be off on Thursday. They'll open up a series in Cleveland Friday through Sunday. And speaking of the Tribe, the Tribe were in Toronto this past weekend. And the Tribe loses, unfortunately, and takes and takes 3 of 4 from the Blue Jays, but Friday night, the Tribe getting the loss in a walk-off fashion from Kevin Pillar, his 12th of the season. As the Jays cruise to a 3-2 victory, Barnes, the win, he goes to 3-2 with a 5.45 ERA. Chamber, the loss, he goes to 3-6 with a 3.56 ERA. Yon Gomes, his homer, is only homer for the Tiger, for the Indians in the game, his 13th of the year. Then we get to Saturday, and Saturday, the Tribe cruising to a victory, 9-8 over the Blue Jays. Tomlin, the one, he goes to 1-5 with a 6.63 ERA. Reed Foley, the loss, he goes to 1-3 with a 6.86 ERA. Cody Allen gets to save his 26th of the season as Perez, Roberto Perez homered his second of the year and Michael Brantley, his 15th. Kachuk homered his two times in the game, his 20th and 21st. And Talese homered for the Blue Jays his first of the season. And we get to the game on Sunday. Excuse me, I misspoke. The Tribe split the series against Toronto as the Tribe loses on Sunday 6-2. Mike Clevenger, the loss, he goes to 11-8 with a 3.16 ERA. Panarin, the win, excuse me, Panarin, the win for Toronto. He's 2-1 with a 4.13 ERA. Gillis, the save, his 20th of the season as Lindor homered his 34th. And Barnes, his first of the season, 
Smoke for the Blue Jays is 24th, and Hernandez his 20th of the season. So the Tribe then leaves Toronto, and they head to Tampa to continue the American East showdown. And last night, a walk-off session for Choi in the ninth inning, his eighth of the season as the, as the Rays cruise to a 6-5 victory over the Cleveland Indians. Schultz, the win, he goes to 2-0 with a 3.70 ERA. Brad Hand gets the loss. He's now 2-5 with a 2.88 ERA. Barnes homered his tenth of the season, and like I mentioned, Choi, his eighth of the year in walk-off fashion. For tonight, it will be Shane Bieber on the hill, 9-3 with a 4.63 ERA. He'll take on Glaslow, who's 1-5. With a 4.64 ERA, 7-10 start time for that one. The concluding game, we'll see Cookie Carrasco on the hill. 16-8 with a 3.41 ERA. We'll take on Josh Schnell, who's 18-5 with a 2.06 ERA. 1-10 start time for that one. All games on Fox Sports Time, Ohio, as well as on FS Orlando. Looking at the standings going into tonight's play, it looks like this in the American League Central. The Indians are 81 and 63. Minnesota 65 and 78, 15 and a half games out. Detroit 59 and 85, 22 games out of first place. The White Sox are 56 and 88, 25 games out of first place. Kansas City officially eliminated a while ago, 40 and 95, 32 and a half games out of first place. In the American League East, Boston is in first place. They're going to get to 100 wins by the end of this week at 98 and 46. New York is 90 and 54, eight games out of first place. Toronto 79 and 64, 18 and a half out. Toronto 65 and 78, 32 and a half games out. And Baltimore 41 and 102, 56 and a half games out of first place. In the American League West, this is the this division is shaping up to be between Oakland and Houston to see who is going to be the wildcard team and who is going to be the the other wildcard team and who is going to be the winner of the division. Houston is at 90 and 54 Oakland, 87 and 57, three games out Seattle, 79 and 64, 10 and a half games out. You can't count out the Mariners still. The angels are 71 and 73, 19 games out. And Texas is 62 and 82, 20 and a half, 28 and a half games out of first place in the senior circuit. The national league looks like this in the national league. East Atlanta is in first place at 60. 80 and 64. Philadelphia 74 and 68. Five games out. Eight and a half games out are the Washington Nationals at 71 and 72. The Mets are 65 and 77. 14 games out of first place. And the Miami Marlins are 56 and 86. 23 games out of first place. And let's talk about the American League, the National League Central. Oh boy, has this changed. The Cubs are 83 and 60. Milwaukee 83 and 62. One game out. Of first place. And you can't count out the Cardinals either. They're 80 and 64. Three and a half games out of first place. So it's shaping up to be between the Brewers and the and the Cardinals for the playoff for the wildcard race. Ain't that something, folks? In the National League West, Colorado is in first place at 79 and 64. The Dodgers are 60, 78 and 66, a half a game and a half out of first place. Arizona 76 and 68, three and a half games out of first place. San Francisco 68 and 77, 12 games out of first place. And San Diego at 57 and 88, 23 games out of first place. Wildcard race looks like this. New York and Oakland holding the two spots. Seattle seven and a half games out of wildcard spot. So is Tampa Bay. National League Brewers. In first place in the wild card race, St. Louis in second. The Dodgers two games out. Arizona four games out. And Philadelphia 
five games out of a wild card spot. So we'll see what happens with that. We're getting closer and closer to the end of the baseball season. And we're getting closer to the end of the show as you're listening to All Andy Elford for tonight. Right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And let's talk briefly about what's happening in Traverse City and on the ice. Happening this week, this whole week, leading up to Thursday's game, Thursday is training camp for the one and only for the Blue Jackets and for the Red Wings. Yes, training camp begins this week for most NHL teams. And up in Traverse City, it is the developmental camp. And the Jackets are undefeated in the, tra- in the, in the Traverse City Cup right now. They're playing the championship game tonight. It will be between the Detroit Red Wings and the Columbus Blue Jackets. A kind of a preview of good things to come for both teams. That game's starting at around 7.30 this evening. On you can either watch it on FS Go or on on any of the platform on the NHL.com page. So uh, great tournament happening in Traverse City, and I gotta give Traverse City the credit for it. They always do it every year. It's between Chicago, New York, Columbus, Detroit, and I believe St. Louis and Minnesota are the are the six teams that do the tournament for the young talented groups. And this is a uh, this is a this was a talented bunch, and Columbus is in the final for this one. So it tells you how the good the developmental program is happening for Columbus as well as happening in Detroit. You got to give Detroit credit with that one. And their former, they're going to be maybe future walleye players at the same time too. So got to give credit when credit is due. And speaking of the walleye, the walleye did sign Matt Register today, big defenseman out of formerly out of the Colorado Eagles. He was a defensive player of the year last year in the Kelly Cup playoff as well as in the regular season in the Western Conference. This guy is a a mean guy, 6'4", 225. This is going to be a big dude. Huge dude on ice. Looking forward to see what happens. And the defensive pair, the defensemen are all going to be out six foot. So they're going to be some tall defensemen and powerful defensemen. And that's what I like to see out of this walleye team. I really do. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, other NHL news and notes. Uh, today, of course, if you haven't heard, Steve Eiserman has, has, um, has uh, left... The Tampa Bay Lightning as general manager. Uh, rumor has it he's going to go to Detroit uh, when Ken Holland's uh, time is done. I could see that happening. I could really see it happening. And it would be a great fit for him. Because he can rebuild this team like he has redone with Tampa. And we'll see what happens with that. Max Pacioretty signs with the Vegas Golden Knights in a trade in the trade and he signs a four year extension to that. So for Montreal, they're without a captain, but they get Thomas Tatar, uh a fourth round draft pick, which we used to be was the Columbus first was the Columbus second round pick and the in the supplemental draft that they had two years last not this past season, but the previous this past season, yes. And a player I, I don't know off the top of my head, I don't have the piece of paper with me. But uh, yeah, uh, and don't forget on 
the 25th of September, 2018. We will have a special edition of All Andy Alford. It will be the NHL Preview Edition. We will give you the stats, in-depth analysis, and so much more about your teams, whether it be the Blue Jackets, the Red Wings, the the Penguins, the Maple Leafs. You'll hear my opinion and who I think is going to make it to the Stanley Cup Final this upcoming season. So lots to look forward to that. The ice is getting ready and getting in place. Hockey season is right around the corner, folks. Cannot believe we have we are almost close to puck drop. As you're listening to all Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. I'm your host, Andy Elford, and now it is time to get close and end the program tonight with, of course, Andy Rants. So tonight on Andy Rants, it is um, it's a special night, of course. Um, it is Patriots Day, but we all know what this day is. Uh, it's the ninth day, the 11th month, 2018. It has been 17 years since the tragic events that took place in our country to see to see the travesty that happened in this world and to live in this era that we are now call post 9/11. Um I want to share my story briefly about where I was when it happened. In 2001 I was in 6th grade. Yes. I was in 6th grade. I was in um Mr. Fry's class in at Raymer Elementary in in East Toledo, Ohio. I was in a computer lab. And uh, our teacher, uh, the computer lab teacher, comes in and, and we see that she's already, she's watching something on like a little portable TV. And uh, she informs the students that uh, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. And um, at the time, I didn't know what the World Trade Center was. And I, I asked the question, you know, what what's the World Trade Center, you know, and I, I didn't really think about it. And uh, my friend Alex uh, said, um, "Well, it's uh, it's the uh, it's a big financial building in New York." And then one of the other girl, I forget off the top of my head her name, uh, she said, "Have you ever seen Home Alone 2? It's the movie. It's the part. It's the building where Kevin was on top of at uh, in the movie." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's, Kevin was on top of the World Trade Center, looking down the tallest building in America." And um, they pulled the class, and they asked us uh, whether or not we wanted to watch the events happen on TV. And I, I voted no because I I was worried about a test at the time, and um, so we didn't watch it. But she continued to watch it on a little portable TV, and she she screamed when the second plane hit the uh, hit the World Trade Center, and um, it was uh, you know. We went back to class, and uh, our principal at the time, Dr. Wittenberg, announced to the that uh, it didn't happen in New York, it happened in Washington, it happened in Pennsylvania, and um, you know we we are standing together as a country as one, and we our thoughts and prayers are with them at the time, and they always are, and I remember going up to the flag, because we would say the Pledge of Allegiance before every class before we started class and I remember touching the flag and you know feeling you know feeling the pride of America and you know I knew we were going to be be better and then um I got out of class for the day we went over to uh it was election day here in the city of Toledo and so we went and voted over at Eastside Central 
and then we walked we walked I saw that's the first time I actually saw it a uh, video of it because they had the TV inside of Eastside Central and you could see the like like a little small tube TV and I was watching it. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing and I got home and I was watching it and I just started crying. Um, the amount of people, the amount of moms and dads at the time when I was a kid, you know, not coming home just really hit me ho- hit home. And it really didn't like really feel and sink in until I got to college. When I was at Bowling Green, there was this one lady, I, I forget her name off the top of my head, but as we were introducing ourselves around the class and we were supposed to give out a secret or or tell everybody something that we don't that they don't know about us, um her name was Allison, but I forget her what her last name was. But anyway, she said that her dad was one of those that was killed in the World Trade Center. And I was just taken from that, and I couldn't believe, I, I couldn't imagine what the pain to go through to see that and to be a, be a part of that. And it just, it, it, it's just a sad time. And I'm hearing now for the first time that high school kids are going to start learning about 9-11 because a lot of them in a time frame never knew what 9-11 was. And it was one of the saddest days in this country. And one of the, one of the, if you've never seen death before, you finally saw it in front of your eyes. And the amount of people and the amount of problems. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you this. There's all those people that do the conspiracy theories and blah, 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 blah. People still died. People still were in, people were still in there. And people still died. So, to those that, you know, that say it's the conspiracy theory and blah, 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 I say to you, don't you have a heart for the people that actually lost their loved ones on that day and have the feelings of emotions and creed for America, you know? But it is one of the saddest days, and I... We will never forget 9-11. I will never forget it. And you should never forget it either. You should tell your kids where you were and ask them, you know, if you were, tell them when you were, what you were doing that day. You know, because we live in a post-9-11 era, you know, and you know, it's a piece of history, American history, that I will never forget and a lot of people will never forget. So, like I always say, to those that were affected by 9-11 and to those that, you know, make the ultimate sacrifice for America, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you to the families and to the countless volunteers that helped out during that. Thank you for everything you've done for this country that we love so much. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford tonight. I'm Andy Alford. Remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my team as well. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Friday's edition of All Andy Alford will be taken in Bowling Green, Ohio. For the Bowling Green Eastern Kentucky game. We'll be on the air Friday. 
at a special time. You'll find that out either on Twitter or on Facebook. And we'll also be doing a Facebook Live show from Dwight Perry Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Looking forward to seeing you guys at the Dwight for Eastern Kentucky versus Bowling Green. But until then, I'm Andy Elford, and I love you guys, and God bless America. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor.